Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? We good? We are going to jump right in. I've got a short message today. Um, I know some of you guys are like, I don't think that's possible, Dave, but it is, I promise. Uh, and as Diane was saying, uh, by the way, Diane's done a fantastic job of heading up community groups, and so thank, thank God for her. She took that on uh, this, uh, this go-around, and she's done a phenomenal job connecting with everybody for small groups, and, or sorry, community groups, and also setting up everything. If you notice, the name tags out on the groups are posted on some artwork. I think you did the artwork as well, so um, super creative. But also having a leader who can really go after this and, and, uh, and help small group leaders, encourage them, encourage us all to join and be a part of community. So very thankful for her and what she's doing, her and Alan, I guess. You guys are doing it sometimes together. Uh, but we're going to break, uh, as soon as I finish my message, as Diane was saying, out these double doors to my right, your left, uh, all the way through into the cafe, we have tables set up with each individual group. So if you already know what group you're, you're going to be a part of, you can, like she said, you can go ahead to dothancf.com and sign up right now if you want to. Or when you go in there, if you haven't decided yet, it's totally fine. You can talk to all the leaders, uh, connect around what the groups look like, how that's going to work. But the, the big thing about the groups is it, there are different kinds of groups, but the point behind the group is to connect. That's the whole point, is to be in a part of a community. So I want to open this morning with a scripture. This is in Ephesians 4.16. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And uh, it speaks of, of a community. Talk about um, Paul's talking to the, the Ephesian church about how it works for us to get together, why it's so important to be the body. <clears throat> Last week we talked a little bit about how God isn't just for community. He actually is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in eternal community. He didn't need us when he made us, but he wanted us, which is why he made us. Amen. And so as Diane mentioned as well during, during some of the transition time, so often we, um, we, we think that we have to be good. We think we have to, to do something special to get God to love us. And it turns out that before we could ever do anything special, um, we were special. <laughs> Some of you guys are more special than others, I'm just saying. But, uh, <laughs> but the whole point is, is that we don't have to do anything to, to earn God's love. Um, as a matter of fact, if you're trying to earn God's love, you have totally misunderstood the gospel. The gospel is good news, not good advice. So um, try to do better is good advice. God loves you just the way you are, just the way you were, you know, even in your brokenness, even in, a, in the mess that you're in, he loves you deeply still. As you begin to understand that love, as you follow Jesus, as we all became disciples, if you're a believer, and we begin to follow Jesus, what we discover is he wants to speak to our identity, not our sinfulness. He will speak to the sinfulness. The sinfulness will become very, very apparent when you get in the presence of God. When you see holy, when you see God who is holy, when you come into his presence, if you have something going on, if you're, if you're broken in some area, if there are patterns of your life, even as a believer, if there are patterns in your life that aren't where they need to be, something about being in the presence of God, being in the presence of other believers, um, because the primary value of the New Testament is love. That's the primary value. So when you get into that place of love, what God does is he doesn't call out all the things that are wrong with you. Um, and there's plenty. All of us are growing. We get that. What he does is he calls out who you are in him. He says, hey, I want to remind you, for you to become fully whole, for you to become fully complete, for you to walk in the, the inheritance that I have for you, you have to know who I am and you have to know who you are before you can know anybody else. And so this scripture is interesting, um, Ephesians 4.16. It doesn't stand alone, but in some ways it does. He says from him, Paul's talking about Jesus, he says from him the whole body Joined and held together by every supporting ligament. So he's saying, from Jesus, Jesus is the head of the body. We've talked about that in the past. 
Um, but, but every part of the body has a part to play. He's going to get that, into that in a second. But we're held together by ligaments. Um, so often we talk about deacons. You know, one of the, one of the things that uh, deacons do in the church is um, they hold unity. They go after unity in a big way. You see that in Acts chapter 5 when the first deacons came on board. And you see it as just a, a passion of who they are because the Bible is really specific about what elders do in so many ways. But it's often not very specific about what deacons do practically. But what you do see is that everything that deacons do, it's built around love. It's built around serving. It's built around unity. And so literally deacon just means servant, servant of the church. So if you want a title, be the servant of the church, right? And so when, when they walk in there, what happens is it creates a place of love. When we walk in love with God and with one another, it creates an environment where we can grow. And that's what this says. It says, from him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So let me just break that down for a second. Grows and builds itself up in love. So there's this, there's this picture of the body of Christ growing um, numerically, because you see that when they gathered together as they were in the temple and met from house to house, the church began to grow. Why? Because people were encountering a God who was speaking to their brokenness, saying, saying I have come to heal you. Come to me, all you who are labor, labor and heavy laden. In other words, I've, I've got this weight, the weight of the world on my shoulders, my own brokenness, my sin, whatever. And he said, when you come to me, he says, I'm going to give you rest. You cannot generate your own rest. It's helpful to understand that. He said, I'll give it to you. So if you're trying to generate it, you're back under the law and you're trying to do something that you can't possibly do. Now, you can make room for rest. But at the end of the day, it's got to come from him. And that's what he says. He said, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So you are a part of the body of Christ. I was talking to somebody uh, just a couple of weeks ago about, they said, you know, what's it like to be a pastor? They were asking me. I'm like, it's, it's amazing and challenging all at the same time. Just like anything else anybody does, right? So we're not necessarily special. We have a role as pastors. We have as leaders. There's a role that we play. But it's no better or worse than anybody else in the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we should bring attention to the things that aren't seen often. So we bring attention to the people who serve in so many capacities, in so many ways, in the body of Christ. But primarily, the way we serve is we love one another as we get, get to the very end of this, deeply from the heart, is what Peter said. In other words, you can't just fake this stuff. It can't be surface level. You have to really love one another deeply from the heart. And the only way to do that is to really, really get to know one another that means you have to become vulnerable. <laughs> you have to. If you're going to be a, body, be a part of the body of Christ, if you're going to bring your strength as each part does its work, part of that is when you show up on a Sunday morning right, for a meeting, when you show up community group, when we're connecting throughout the week, that you show up and you bring your strength, and your strength will do its work among the body. One of the best ways to grow as a believer is to stop saying, God, I need, I need, I need. God knows everything that you need, I promise you. He speaks to that all over the New Testament. But if you come with a mindset of, I'm going to bring my strength to you, God, first of all, I'm going to worship you and honor you and adore you because you're worthy, right? But also, I'm going to bring this, this value of love to every single person that I encounter on a Sunday morning, during the week, wherever, and that creates this environment called love. So I just want to take a, a little bit of time and talk about how small groups help, help us build one another up in love. And so I want to talk about four arenas of a relationship. If you've been at DCF for a while, this will not be anything new to you, 
but it may open a door for something that you've been, you've not quite walked in just yet. So I would keep an open heart and say, Lord, use this message this morning to speak to areas where I, ha- I might be anemic, where I might be weak, where I can be strengthened. So four arenas of relationships, super simple. The first one's the public arena. It's not like we don't know this. The public arena is I know and you know. Right now, <clears throat> if you have not met, you know, spent time with me, um, and, but you sit in a congregation and you hear me preach, or someone who's online hears me preach on a regular basis. I tell stories about how I grew up. I tell stories about my Appalachian daddy <laughs> who didn't have shoes till he was in seventh grade. And he taught me how to tie shoes poorly, and I had to relearn a bunch of those things. <laughs> I have tons of stories. I've got stories about my Uncle Herschel growing up with a, you know, a dominant type A personality without much education, which is a frightening combination, let me just say. So if you, if you hear, hear me talk, for, for any length of time, or if you watch enough sermons, you get to feel that you know me, but you do not know me, because you've heard me speak. You, you know about me. And this is the public space. This is a perfect example of the public space. I get to know you. Um, I talk to you on a Sunday morning. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And you say, you know, I'm, I'm the head, not the tail. You know, I'm, brother, I'm blessed. And I'm like, I get, I, I get it. <laughs> You're for Jesus. I, I totally love that about you. But what's really going on in your heart? But so often, we can't create space like that. To create a space where we get to know one another really deeply is not in a public arena, nor should it be, right? There's some things that I don't want to know about you just, just yet, <laughs> right? There are certain spaces, and, and there's another, another uh, part of this message where we talk about the different spaces, social spaces, and the public space is one of those. And the way we do public spaces, we need to be at least 12 feet apart. So right now we're doing that. We're 12 feet apart, you and I, except for you might be sitting right next to somebody, which is okay as long as you're not facing them, right? So we'll go to a concert. We went not too long ago to a comedy show at the Dothan Opera House, and we were sitting on top of each other. You know, they pack you in like sardines, which is awesome because the guy who was leading the thing, who was doing the thing we're all focused on was at least 12 feet away from us. So I'm cool with the person next to me. I don't need to know them deeply from the heart, right? <laughs> and I don't know that guy. I know about him. So all of that's a public space, a public arena. And, you know, somebody jumped up in the middle of a comedy routine and took their shirt off. Super awkward, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where if they go home and they take a shower, if they take a shower with their sh- shirt on, also super awkward. See how that works? So there's certain things about public space where I let you know a little bit about me, but there's something that I want to go deeper in. So this is the public me. Um, there's so much of the, the personal you, the very intimate you, that you're not going to let everybody see, nor should you. And we're going to get to that in just a second. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In other words, Jesus is the only one who knows you more intimately than you do. And he does know you better than you do, right? But very, very few people know you. He says the only people who know you, are it's the spirit of the person who is in you. And so there's a public you that if you never move beyond that, then all of the intimacy, all the challenges, the brokenness in your world, the patterns of of bad behavior towards you, and then the patterns of bad behavior through your own sinfulness, that is situated somewhere in the internal you, and the public you um, is never, it never displays that. Unless you're on an airplane and you lose your mind, seems to be a lot of that going on lately, right? Totally not a place for you to, you know, go ballistic, but people do it. So here's the thing about the public me. I need people who will really know me. See, if I stay in that arena, I I can never change. I I can't be transformed because I never allow myself to be loved deeply from the heart. I just stay distant. And a lot of people are like, especially if you're an introvert, 
the tendency is I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get energized by having super long conversations with people, right? So, but somehow introverts can get married and do well, <laughs> right? So it turns out that you don't have to talk a, a whole lot, but you do have to at some point open up to somebody about the deep things of your heart if you're going to see healing and wholeness, and also if you're going to bring your strength to others. So the second one is called the mask. This is I know, but you don't know. And that's kind of why I was alluding to um, as I was kind of going into this. Um, I know some things about me, some of my struggles, some of my challenges that you don't know about me. And in the public arena, I'm not going to let you know. As a matter of fact, if we never get to know each other deeply, you're probably going to never know those things. I might open up about some challenges and struggles I have when I'm, you know, when I'm preaching, but I'll do it in a way that you're like, you, you, don't, you know what I'm saying? You'll connect with me, but you don't really, really know me. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. This is Paul saying, when we came to you, we allowed you to get to know us. So one of the big challenges of the church nowadays is we don't let people get to know the leaders. As a matter of fact, I was taught in Bible college, whatever you do, do not make friends with people in your congregation. And I thought, well, this is a sucky way to do Bible college. <laughs> I also brought it to their attention, just in case you were wondering. I'm that kind of guy, so I, I stayed in trouble a lot. But they literally told it, and they said the reason why is because you can't effectively minister to people. And then I read the Bible and found out that the Bible totally contradicts that. Because Paul comes in numerous places. Peter does the same. Comes in and says, you, we lived among you. you. You know us. Matter of fact, I talked about this last week. He said, we came and we worked jobs so that we wouldn't take money. Even though we have the right to take money to support the, the preaching of the gospel, we never did that with you at this particular church. Because we didn't want to be beholding to you. We didn't want, to, we didn't want you to, to feel like you owed us something. He said, I was very careful about how I lived among you. So he, he allowed himself to get to, to become known. He says, re, they rejected shameful deeds, underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. In other words, he said, if, if, you, if we have integrity of heart as believers together, you, you can get to know me. Because at some point, I, I, I get to take the mask off. There's this really interesting phrase that says, uh, I can't remember where I found it, but I'll, I'll just repeat it. It says, being a secret disciple is impossible because either the discipleship kills the secrecy or the secrecy kills the discipleship. So there's nothing wrong with being private. That's why, uh, you know, again, you're fine to take your shirt off when you go, go to a shower. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Just maybe don't do it in front of me unless we're going swimming or something. And, and I, hopefully you guys know I'm talking to the guys, right? <laughs> so, so that's the whole thing is like I, I have a mask on that, that I, have, I, I do that to protect myself, right? And it's, it's a mechanism that humanity uses that we don't, and, and what's really awkward is when people take the mask off and they just never get better. So then you see the brokenness and the hurt and you see it destroy people. You watch it, watch it destroy people. But part of, part of being part of a community, in a community of love, where each part, each person does the work that God's called them to do, brings their strength, what happens is when we begin to take the mask off and let some people in to see our vulnerability, see our brokenness, see our hurting, see our challenges, what happens is because of the environment of love, it begins to heal me. Right? And Jesus designed it this way. Why doesn't Jesus just come and meet, meet all your needs? He does. But so often he does it through other people in the church. That's part of the way it works. So the mask, again, there's a, I know but you don't know. And the answer to that is I need people who will protect me. So when I take my mask off, 
I don't need, you know, it's, it's the old story of, of the, the three guys who go fishing, and the one guy says, you know, hey, I have a secret sin, my, it's, it's drinking, and they're like, oh, you know, we'll pray for you. The other guy's like, my secret sin is um, smoking. He's like, oh, we'll pray for you, you know, and I'm just so glad you were vulnerable. <laughs> and they say to the other guy, well, what's your secret sin? He said, it's gossip, and I can't wait to get back to church to tell everybody about all your sin. <laughs> so you have to be careful in who you become vulnerable to. You should not become vulnerable to everybody because not everybody's mature and will handle it well. Not everyone will protect you. Some people, when they see the mask taken off, they'll actually expose you in a way that doesn't actually help you. It actually hurts you. So you have to be careful. So then there's the blind spot. I don't know, but you know. Now this one is probably one of the, one of the places where you begin to build relationship with people. You have to build a deep enough relationship where someone, someone loves you enough to tell you some truth that you don't see about yourself. Anybody ever, anybody ever been around a close talker? You know what a close talker is? <laughs> close talker is a person who comes into your intimate space. They, they violate your bubble before you have invited them in. Right, that's close. They like get right up in your face. What's really interesting is when you travel the world, certain cultures allow more or less space for people in the bubble. Like if you go to India, the bubble's really tight because there's a whole bunch of Indians, right? And so, and they often live in these really. They live in some big cities, and so they they pack them in. Like in Tokyo, we went to the Tokyo subway. And they literally push people into the subway. You're literally pressed up against people on the subway ride, riding on the way home. And so, so people <laughs> start talking to you. I'm like, man, I can smell your breath. I don't need that kind of intimacy in my life right now, right? Here's a mint. Carry mints with you to help close talkers. But here's the thing. You want someone eventually to be a close talker to you, right? You want someone eventually to come to you and go, hey, man, I don't know if you know this, but. And here's what's powerful. Some pe- people who are immature will say, Here's your brokenness, and, and it, it'll feel exposed, right? And again, it's not the best way to do it, but sometimes it happens. It's like, hey, you're being a jerk, right? So that's, that's someone who, <laughs> who is helping you. You don't know this, but I know that you're a jerk, and you should stop being a jerk, right? So that, that's, but here's the thing. So often when people do that, they, they begin to go after your insecurities, your brokenness, your unwholeness, and they call it your identity, and see, that's, that's the beauty behind the blind spot. When you get into a room full of people who love you, you can hear anything from someone if you know they love you, right? They can say, hey, listen, you know, I know this is not your heart, but, right? Anybody ever said that to you? <laughs> if they haven't, you need to develop some of these relationships, create room where you can build enough relationship with people around you, moving out of the public space into this beginning to become more and more a private space, if you will, or more intimate space, because the last space, social space, is intimate. That's reserved for spouses, you know, deep, deep, deep friendships, and that's deep intimacy. And ultimately, that's where we're going with the Lord, of course, is to go into that place of deep intimacy with the Lord. So I don't know, but you know. Proverbs 27.6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I know a lot of church people. Some of you guys are church people. <laughs> I also know a lot of Christians, and they're not always the same people. Right? So here's the thing about that. Um, the wound of a friend is faithful. They'll say things that, that borderline hurt. Right? They're, they're challenging you in a way to bring you into a place of maturity. 
And, and if they do it well, and you get better at it as you learn how to do this, especially as you receive it from mature people, you learn how to give it the same way. They'll say things like, hey, man, listen, um, I love these things about you. One of the challenges I see, and they'll, listen, there is, you, can, you can make it as beautiful as you want to, but at some point, if you don't push through and say the truth that needs to be said, that person is never going to grow. Now, let me say this to you if you're the person who's receiving truth. It's always better to receive truth from mature believers, mature people who can speak it in a kind way, who tag it into your identity and say, hey, this is how God made you, I get it. But there's some challenges that are keeping, it's maybe keeping you from walking in the fullness of your inheritance. So they're always kind about what they're saying. And they're doing their best to hold that tension between loving you deeply from the heart and also challenging you deeply from the heart, right? So let me, let me share this with you. Learn how to receive critical challenge, right? If somebody's mean and says, you know what, you, you always do this. We do this in, in our marriage sometimes, right? You always do this and you never do this and, and you never use the word never and you never use the word always. <laughs> I learned that a long, long time ago. Um, because if we're not careful, it, it, again, it points to the brokenness as being our identity. And that's not what God's after. Your brokenness is not your identity. But it's hindering your identity. And if you never develop a relationship deep enough for someone to be able to cross this bridge of truth with however much tonnage that particular truth weighs, then you're never going to grow. And you're going to stay in your brokenness for all of your life. Does it mean that God doesn't love you? Does it mean that God won't use you? But you will stay in your brokenness your entire life, and you don't have to. So just to... Quick understanding of what we call the relationship bridge. When you're in community together, um, there's, a, uh, there's a way to think about this, that you can't take 20 tons of truth over a 10-ton bridge. And that's where it breaks down. When I try to bring truth to you that's a, too much tonnage for the bridge, what happens is it begins to creak, uh, and then it collapses, and now I don't have any relationship with you because I tried to bring too much truth to you before I brought enough love. Does that make sense? So as you're building relationships, you're like, hey, how do I have this conversation with that person? Well, the best way to think, how would you like for someone to have that conversation with you? How would you, if you had the same challenge going on in your life, how would you like someone to approach you, right? And, and, and do this. Don't, don't just go, hey, could we grab coffee? And all you ever do is share people's challenges. Nobody's ever going to have coffee with you. As a matter of fact, when we were in the mission field in Bosnia, that was the one thing, if, if a pastor said, hey, I, we need to have coffee, you were in trouble. That's how you knew, you were in trouble, we're going to have coffee. So don't do that. So um, the last one is this, it's simple, it's your potential. Um, I don't know, and you don't know. See, this is a beautiful thing, because there's some potential in you, there's certain things that are happening that God designed to, for you to live out that you haven't discovered yet, and neither have I. And the way we discover it is through this relationship. So Hebrews 10, 24, I read this before. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. There's so much more available to us, so much more love that we can share, so, much, so many more good deeds that we could walk in. It says, not giving up meeting together. In other words, to, to spur one, and on, one another on to the, to the potential that God has for our lives we, can't, we have to meet together. We have to make time. You do not have time for small groups. I'm going to tell you right now, you do not have time for community groups. You're way too busy as an American to be connecting in community groups. But you need to make time to be in a community group. Make time to be in relationship with people because if you don't, 
you're not going to grow, you're going to stay the same. So I don't know, but you, but you know. So here's Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but iron sharpens. So get around people who challenge you. If you're only around people who are beneath you in capacity, you're never going to grow, and you're going to hide behind your capacity and never reach your potential. Does that make sense? There's another one, Proverbs 18, 24. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So it's not just about being a companion with somebody. It's not just being in, I'm in relationship. We're doing life together, right? All air quotes. (laughs) But are you really? Does somebody know your stuff? Do you know somebody else's stuff? Are you protecting? Are you covering? So here's the thing. I need people who will grow me. I need people in my life who say, Hey, I see this in you, and maybe you don't see it, and they lead me to it. So I'm going to go ahead and release our small group leaders. You guys can go ahead and make your way out there, and we're going to wrap this up in just a minute or so. We're going to give them time to get prepared. But I want to leave you with this. This is called the principle of the path. Um, it's not something I came up with. Um, I promise you I'm not that smart. But, but there are three things to know about getting lost. Anybody get lost? Anybody have problems with directions? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> the first thing you need to know um, is that you don't get lost on purpose, right? It's not like you, you're like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm headed to Atlanta and I ended up in, you know, um, Florida. That's, you know, it's not like you did it on purpose, right? That's the first thing you need to know. Here's the thing, you don't know you're getting lost when you're getting lost. Right? Like there's not a moment where you go, oh man, I, I just went 100 feet too far. Now I'm just put the car in reverse, back up 100 feet, and now I know where I am. That's not how, how it happens, is it? You get lost somewhere along the, lo- the way, and you realize, oh, no, <laughs> I'm really lost right now. <laughs> and it's difficult, difficult to, to find my way back. So by the time you realize you're lost, you've actually been lost for a long time. So here's the thing. Some of us have been lost in relationships. We, we've lost our way when it comes to relationships. COVID did not help this, obviously. So we isolated. We begin to social media you tag social media as a culture, it begins to take on the culture that all of your friends are online. What is that? That's a public space, right? It's not, it's, Twitter is not designed to be intimate. <laughs> if you're intimate on Twitter, you're doing it wrong, okay? Let me just help you, or Instagram or anything else. So you can know about people, but you can't really get to know people. So here's the thing. Because of social media, because of the culture, because of COVID, and because the enemy is against us trying to isolate us, because if he can isolate us, he can take us out. But if we're together, there's something about us being together. One can put 1,000, two can put 10,000. It's multiplicative, right? Exponential even. And so you don't get lost on purpose, and, and you, know, you don't know you're getting lost when you're getting lost. Um, and here's the last thing. Whatever road you're on determines where you're going to end up. So if you're lost, so let's just say, for example, you pack everything up and you're headed to Florida to the beach. You've know, you got your sunscreen, you've got your, you got your chair, you've got everything. You're ready to go. And uh, you go out here and get on... 231, and head north. (laughs) You're on the right road, right? But the direction you're headed is going to be where you end up, not your intention. Hear me, because this is where rubber meets the road today. I intend to be a part of a community group. (laughs) It's a good idea. I I should totally do that. So the road you're on is going to determine your destination, not the road you intended to be on. So I just want to challenge us. As we go into this, um, your direction determines your destination, not the intention. 
So keep that in mind. You have to be intentional. So today, when you go back and check on community groups, if you've been saying, you know what, I know Dave's pushing this. I know Diane's pushing this. I know the leadership team is pushing this. I know Jesus is pushing this. <laughs> but I still have time for that right now. So here's the thing. I, I was watching a, a, a video not too long ago. Um, <clears throat> a guy I follow online, um, clinical psychologist. And this lady was interviewing him. He'd made a comment about how, how, being, how having a family is valuable and having real friends in your life is so valuable. And this woman who was interviewing him was in her 30s. And she said, you know, I've heard you said, say that, um, that women ought to be married, that women ought to have kids. I've heard you say that. It seems a little bit sexist because, after all, I'm in my 30s, and uh, I am so happy with a career, and I've got friends who have kids, and they're just trained all the time. And so she paints this beautiful picture of how she's this amazing career. Listen, nothing wrong with career. My, my wife was in corporate America forever. She still works part-time with the company that she's been with for almost 20 years now. So nothing wrong with that at all. So she, but she paints this, this ugly picture of what married women look like and the stress they're under and all these problems and how beautiful her picture is because, you know, she has time for herself and she's she, she got money, got a great career path. And he looked at her and he said, yeah, now. <laughs> and you can see it in this woman's eyes. Nobody had ever talked to her like that, first of all. <laughs> and for a second, it hit her. He said, but when you're in your 50s, and you're in your 60s, and then you're in your 70s, he said, ma'am, you have a long life ahead of you. He said, and you're going to be lonely and broken and hurting, and there will be no one to help you. Your colleagues could care less about you. Where's your family going to be? So I just want to challenge you. Again, it's not, I'm intending to do this. At some point, I'm going to do it. You have to make a decision to be intentional and choose this. So let me just share this last scripture. I always do this. This is 1 Peter 1.22. It's a big passion for us at DCF. It says, now that you have, been pure, now that you have purified yourselves by owing, obeying the truth, that's obeying the gospel. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Sincere love, right? This is what you need to do. Love one another deeply from the heart. So I just want to challenge you guys. This is a progression. I don't know what stage you're in. Maybe you've never stepped out of the public arena. Maybe COVID took you out. Maybe isolation. Maybe you're working from home. There's a million different reasons. Maybe you've got a thousand friends on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. And I just want to challenge you to be in community. Do not neglect, this is what Hebrews said, don't neglect gathering together. There's something about being in a place where it, and again, there's no guarantee that if you go to a community group, it's going to work out in, in your favor. So maybe you go and you still decide not to open up and share your heart or, or become vulnerable. Um, that's your choice. But I can tell you, if you don't go to a community group, it's never going to happen. God's intention for us was to live in love with one another, to challenge one another, to love one another deeply from the heart, to create a place of safety and vulnerability where you could unmask and the thing that is broken, the patterns in your life, and by the way, this can only happen in a place that understands grace. Because we won't call your sin out. That's not what we're trying to do. We'll say, listen, let's talk about why you keep doing what you're doing. And if you get a hold of that, you get people around, around you that when you screw it up and when you mess up, they're going to come to you and go, but let me tell you what I see. And they're just going to echo the voice of God and his kindness and his goodness in your life. 
They're going to echo wholeness. They're going to put their arms around you. They're going to love you. They're going to hold your hand and walk you through the challenges of your marriage, of your life, of your kids, of your work, of everything that's going on. And they're going to release you into the fullness of your inheritance because that's what Jesus wants to see in your life. Um, It's not um, pie in the sky by and by. It's cake on the plate while you wait. (laughs) Right? So don't go to heaven having missed everything that was available to you here on earth. So why don't you stand with me? Jesus, we love you so much, and we're so very thankful, Lord, that uh, you broke through. Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave yourself for us. Lord, you brought your strength to bear in our lives. When we were weak, when we were broken, um, Lord, when we were just at the end of our, our rope, Lord, that's when you came. You said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You came on our worst day and loved us so powerfully then, Lord. How much more do you love us now? Um, as we pour our lives into you, as we serve, as we, as we seek your face, as we follow after you, Lord, there's going to be even a greater release of your love and your kindness and your inheritance into our lives. Lord, let people find real, honest-to-goodness friendships, Lord, in these community groups where their hearts can be open, Lord, and everything that's broken, every lie that they've ever heard that's come against them, Lord, all of that can be healed and made whole, and they can be released to everything that you have for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, we're up here to pray. Otherwise, we're going to open up these uh, double doors over here and make your way to the cafe. They have candy and popcorn, (laughs) so you can't go wrong there. And sign up for a small group today. Thanks, guys.